welcome to LISI Carrier Calls. I'm Rebecca with our Intel team. Hi, and I'm Charlotte, Regional Sales Manager in the San Fernando Valley of Los Angeles. In these episodes, we're talking about compliance, which I joke is not a four-letter word. And as always, it's our aim to keep it short and sweet while tackling very complicated and complex issues and providing you with key takeaways. This week, we're excited to talk to Sterling's Jeff Strong about ERISA. Hi, Jeff. Would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a bit about what you do at Sterling? Sure, I'd be happy to. So, hi, everybody. My name is Jeff Strong. I work for Sterling Administration. Uh, I used to be a regional sales director, and I would be out interfacing with brokers and clients in the good old fun realm of compliance. I've recently been promoted to vice president of sales, so that means I get to go talk to more people all over the place, but really uh, engaging and helping clients and, and brokers understand the realm of compliance in the employee benefits area. So let's jump right in. Tell us all about ERISA. Sure. So ERISA is the good old Employee Retirement Income Security Act of 1974. It was really designed for, uh, back in the day, they were concerned in having problems with employers taking 401k money and then going off to the Bermuda and never being seen again. So they said, holy cow, we need to start setting up some rules. So they created ERISA. Now, your first question should be, Jeff, this sounds great, but I'm dealing employee benefits. Why do I care about the 401k? And I'll tell you right now. Because within ERISA, you have two components. So the first component deals with what I just mentioned when they're dealing with pensions and retirement and 401ks and things like that. What a lot of people did not know prior to the Affordable Care Act is that the original 1974 law also had a second component to it, which is called the welfare benefit part. So what that means is that employers, if you offer the opportunity for an employee to participate in a benefit that you, Mr. Employer, are offering, you have to have ERISA documents. And that is kind of why all of a sudden it popped up. Because what you see a lot, and as you as brokers and clients know, that, wait a minute, this is a 1974 law. We're talking in 2020. What happened here? Why haven't we heard about it? Well, the reason was because prior to the Affordable Care Act, ERISA was around, but people didn't really pay attention to it. It was for if you had 100 or more employees on a product as of the effective date. And as you're all thinking, wait a minute, that sounds familiar. You're right, because that's what 5,500 filings are, see? So it used to be, hey, if you've got to file 5,500s, you also have to have ERISA documents right when you do that. Now, from 1974 until recently, it was something that people kind of went, well, that's great, but we don't really care. There's a rule, but no one's enforcing it. It was kind of this toothless tiger. And so then what happened is the Affordable Care Act came into play, and the powers that be that edit and focus and kind of concentrate on this, the Department of Labor and IRS partly as well, started auditing companies to make sure they were in compliance. The second component that happened was at the same time as the Affordable Care Act was put into place, the Department of Labor said, okay, we're going to go from all companies to employees on up. So those smaller groups, those 30 life groups, 40 life, 50, 80, they needed to have ERISA as well. And that has been something that really kind of caught the market on storm. So what's been interesting about that is that we have now seen our more astute brokers have gone and talked to clients and said, hey, do you have ERISA documents? And then what the client does is they go to their current broker and say, hey, do we have ERISA documents? And the ones that say, oh, you don't need to worry about it. You're only 30 life groups. We've been seeing them getting BOR'd or they're losing their clients because it's showing that they're not astute to it. 
And so that's really kind of the main part of ERISA and why you've heard of it. It has many different names. You'll often hear, do you have ERISA documents? Do you have your RAP documents? Do you have your plan docs? So you've given us a really great overview of ERISA and why it's important. Let's talk about the penalties because I find that a lot of people get tripped up on that. So what happens with ERISA is you've got different structures in regards to the penalty aspects to it. So what the employer uh, needs to be astute to is that if you do not have ERISA documents and the Department of Labor comes and says, hey, where are your documents? You do have a little bit of time to put them together. If you do not meet that um, after that time frame, then you've got to watch out because what it is, it can be $110 per employee per day until compliance is met or $1,156 per SPD or summary plan description per employee. So that's when you're like, holy cow, we're really starting to get into big waters. And it is tied to inflation. And so that's where people go, wait a minute, I thought it used to be just uh, a little bit less. No, it, it's changed because it is tied to inflation. I can totally see how you would want to get those documents in place. That is a huge penalty, especially if you're a smaller employer. What actually happens to that penalty money? So the penalty money will go to the Department of Labor under the EBSA section, and it also is kind of managed through the IRS. So basically, it's going to go to, the, to your governmental entities um, for not meeting the compliance. So we have a really great overview of what is ERISA, what is important, what the reporting is, but let's talk about how the information has to be disseminated to the employees and at what junctures. Sure. So in regards to having the ERISA documents, what you're going to have is you're going to have the summary plan description, which is a quick 30,000 foot uh, overview of what they offer. So when you're hired as someone to the company, it'll say, welcome to the company. You have these type of benefits, your eligibility for them at this time period. And this is kind of the, the financial structure of it between you and the employer. And then you also have a plan document, same thing, kind of where it looks at, and then the notices. The uh, Department of Labor requests that they get provided the SPD and the notices. And they're provided, need to be provided to the employees in a couple different um, time periods. One is during open enrollment. And so you provide it out to all employees that are signed up for benefits. Now, there has been a discussion in the realm of should it be all employees or just the ones on benefits? The Department of Labor has told us, because it's always good to friend, have a friend who's an auditor, said it's really just the people that are dealing on benefits. So they would be, need to be provided the SPD and the notices. Also in special circumstances, uh, new hires, and if it is asked for in writing, the employer has 30 days that they need to provide it. Another thing to be astute to, as we deal more with technology, it, it doesn't necessarily need to be a physical document. Uh, I do, we do often get asked at times, hey, can it be put up in our portal? Uh, yes, you can put it on an internal portal. Uh, the only thing the Department of Labor has been very clear about is they want to see proactiveness. So if you did do it and put it on a portal, you wouldn't want to get a way to show that there was proactiveness from the employees. Either uh, send out a, an email with a sent receipt showing that they understand that it is, uh, it is there, um, or they send an email responding, yep, we know that it's there. They, they just don't want it that you put up the SPD and plan docs in the break room and have a nice day. They want to see a little bit of proactiveness. When you mentioned that it has to be provided to employees that are on benefits, so let's be clear, would that apply to employees that are on, say, an employer-level life insurance policy from which, you know, all full-time employees would be covered? 
as opposed to either opting in or out of the medical insurance? Great question. I love that you brought that up. Yes, exactly. Because remember, let's go back to the definition of, of ERISA. It's any product that the employer offers the opportunity for an individual to participate. So if you had a situation where someone didn't sign up for anything, but the employer offered AFLAC plan and the employee signed up for it and the employees paying 100% of the coverage, it, the, they got the opportunity to be on the plan because they worked at the company. So they would need to be providing an SPD. So share with us what clients are asking of brokers when they're discussing ERISA. You bet. So when a broker goes and talks to a client about this ERISA and being astute to it, what they're going to hear all the time is, oh, I've already got it. I've got it from my 401k. I am in a great spot. And that's one thing that you want to kind of take as a red flag because that's not correct. Remember, guys, we talked about ERISA. You've got two components, the 401k, the pension side, and the second one, the welfare benefit plan side, right? So what this tells us is, hey, that's great. You should have an ERISA for the 401k side. It does its own thing. They proactively provide it to the, uh, the regulatory body. With the ERISA on our side, we need to make sure you have it for when the Department of Labor comes calling. So that's something that, that the brokers are going to be astute to is, no, even though they say they have ERISA, it's probably not the correct one. So reviewing those documents that an employer group does have, that is um, maybe a service that Sterling could offer is identifying, do they have the correct documents in place or what documents do they need to actually get put in place to keep them compliant? On the benefits side, yes. Um, uh, we, we don't really support the 401k side because that's a little bit of a different animal. Jeff, can you tell us then how the 401k ERISA documents differ from the uh, benefit documents? You bet. So one thing that everybody wants to be astute to is when you're dealing with ERISA, there's, remember, again, two components. Hopefully when you get done listening to this podcast, you kinda, you've you got to clear in your head that when you deal with ERISA, there's two sides to a fence. The left side of the fence is the 401k side. And when you talk to your clients, what they're going to say is, yep, I already have ERISA and I do 5,500s and I proactively provide it to each year to the, the governmental or regulatory body. Yep, sounds great. On the benefit side, which we're talking about today, guys, if they have, they want to have the ERISA documents, they don't proactively provide it. They have it for when, it, when the regulatory body call, comes calling, and also they provide it out to their employees. A second thing I want you to be astute to is if you have ERISA for under 100 employees, that's different than if you have ERISA for over 100. So if you have a client that has 100 or more employees on a product, as of the effective date, they need those 5,500s. Remember we talked about that earlier, everybody? Yep. So they also need to have a RISA docket. Oh, that's right. So the, for those bigger ones, you're going to have 5,500s and a RISA, and they're going to run together succinctly or together. Um, and so that's something you want to be astute to. For the ones that are below, it's a different animal because they don't have 5,500s in play. So that's something just to be aware of. All right. So is there anyone who gets to escape these ERISA requirements? Great question on that. Yes, there's two. If you are a church or a governmental entity, you are not required to have ERISA documents. Now, if you're a broker listening to this, be astute that if you've got uh, schools or even charter schools that may be correlated with um, a school district, sometimes they will not need it. Or if you have entities that are correlated with a church, they may not need it. Always feel free to reach out to us. We'd be happy to kind of give you the, the two cents on where they would fit. But those are really the two. Sometimes people think, oh, nonprofits, they're fine. No, unfortunately, they need to have ERISA documents. You have given us so much information, Jeff. You've really kind of demonstrated that 
Sterling is the expert on ERISA, which I think is a real comfort to brokers knowing that here's one, one piece of compliance, which is so overwhelming that they don't need to be an expert on. So what type of services can you offer brokers or their employer groups to kind of take that ERISA burden off of the group, off of the broker? The best way to think of us is twofold. One, we were designed that we will always make sure that you have somebody to talk to. So people love it that you always were around to be engaged with. Two, also we make sure everybody colors within the lines and and stays in compliance. So with that being said, we've created some really nice ERISA document plans. We have one called the Evergreen ERISA, which is designed for your clients that are 2 to 99 employees. And knowing that, all right, with that, we are going to look to give you a five-year contract. So you put it in place and it's good for five years. And then for those ones that are over 100, we write our ERISA documents that will correlate with your 5,500. And then the second year on, we'll put the 5,500 and ERISA together, which you can do, and then off you go. So you can kind of reduce your compliance footprint. Why people come to Sterling is because of our people, our sales directors, our account executives, they know about ERISA. They spend lots of time talking about it. They're educated on it and they are there to help. So what they do is they engage with the client or the broker or however they like to do it. We have some brokers that want us to just go through them. We have other brokers that say, let's get you, me, and the client together. And then we have the final section where the broker says, here's my client, please take care of the ERISA, keep me in the loop, have a nice day. And what we do is we engage, we go over the application to get a clean feel of, all right, how is your company structured? Do you have any affiliated employers? Things like that. And then we help them get installed. With the 5500 component, when they the second year on, we also file the 5500s for them. So we try to bring a lot to the table. So walk me through the, your evergreen ERISA. So does that include any of the periodic updates, the annual, uh, there's a carrier change? Are there any fees tied to that? Great question. So the Evergreen is probably one of the best products that uh, Sterling's had since our HSAs. And the reason I say that is it's very in tune to the market. And that's where I tip my hat to my CEO. She was able to kind of look and overview and see, you know, we noticed that smaller clients want to be in compliance, but they're concerned about cost. So we created the Evergreen Arista, which is just 550 one time good for five years. Now, what you would think at this point is, wow, that, what? I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around it. Because as I go shopping around for ERISA, I notice that I, there's all kinds of different fees. And I notice, notice that there's also fees every year. So what I want everybody to remember on this is when you deal with premium-only plans and ERISA documents, you're dealing with contracts. And the design of the contract really says if you don't have what's called a material modification change, or basically a, a change in the document, then it does have the ability to cover multiple years. So with the Evergreen, what we do is we write at very high level. So by writing at high level, the the need to change carriers doesn't exist. The need to uh, kind of redefine um, the name of the plans in the medical, that doesn't exist. So we take that part away. So by doing so, we reduce the need for the material modification or the change so that the contract covers for multiple years. One thing that does happen though, is if you do have a situation where someone says, hey, we're gonna add an FSA and an HRA, great, that sounds good. There is a $50 fee to amend it. Uh, we, we do that so we can pay someone to update the document, then we'll send out an amendment and off you go. So it's really nice. It's, it's something that the market really likes and we like it because we're helping out the market and creating goodwill. Now, has your evergreen uh, wrap ever been tested? 
Very much so. Yeah, it has been tested. And what is interesting is we've actually had situations where it's been used in court and it has passed. And we do stand behind the document. Um, we have an ERISA attorney. And so we are very confident in what we do and we stand behind what we provide. Okay, great. Thank you for clarifying that too. You bet. As we start to wrap up this conversation, I want to give you a chance to highlight maybe your favorite thing about Sterling, what you think really stands out to brokers, kind of that one last selling point. You bet. So the number one thing that I would say when you think Sterling, you think support and care. And why would I say that? What I mean by that is, again, you're going to have somebody to talk to and we're going to make sure you cut in the lines. And when things get crazy, we're here for you. And when things are great, we're here for you. Our design is to understand that, the, that you, the broker, are, really want to go get more groups. You want to make more medical. You do need us in our part of the realm. So we want to make you look as good as possible. That's really, that's what Sterling is all about. Well, that about wraps up the time that we have together today. Thank you, Jeff, so much for joining us. You bet. Thank you for the time. I really appreciate it. And everybody have a wonderful day. And thanks, everyone, for listening. For more info on what we discussed today, check out our show notes. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to your sales team here at LASI. And if you have any topics or issues that you'd like us to tackle, shoot us an email at intel at lisibroker.com. Thanks so much. Enjoy what you're hearing? Follow us on Spotify, subscribe on Apple, or find us on your favorite podcatcher.